Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Beautiful. So I want to talk today about the love of God, which is kind of like a weird thing for Pastor Andy to talk about, right? But more specifically, the title is God's Love Never Fails. God's love never fails. Say that with me. God's love never fails. Make her personal. Say, your love never fails. You know, people can fail us. Now, things in life, like Pastor Kristen said, just they don't go as expected all the time, um, even as we plan, you know. But I want to remind us today that even though that's happening, the love of God doesn't fail. And Pastor Kristen said something this morning, and, you know, we've had teachings on this, but I just want to make sure it's understood. When we say that God isn't in control, we're not saying that God's not sovereign. But there's this real fine line, and I've learned this as a pastor, you know, well-meaning people and even well-meaning pastors, you know, when you do funerals, um, one thing that people say is God is in control, which I've seen actually turn people against God. Because they're like, he's in control, meaning he caused this to happen to my relative or my loved one. Of course not. God is not the author of disaster and sickness and pain. Any amens this morning? But see, in the garden, God gave man control of his creation. And if you look all through human history, I mean... Whether it's genocide, it's taking advantage of people, slavery, uh, you know, sex trafficking, all these horrible things, God doesn't control that. People do. And God gave us the freedom to make choices and decisions. And unfortunately, sometimes we make bad choices and bad decisions, and that affects not just us, it affects others. Do you understand? And so, you know, to, to say blanket statements, we have to really know, wait a minute, wait. So God gave us control. And that doesn't mean he isn't sovereign. That doesn't mean God isn't there for me the whole time and his love isn't there. Does that make sense? And so, again, today I want to remind us that God's love never fails. I, I know that sounds cliche. I know that's something that we would expect to hear on a Sunday morning in a church service. But here's the thing. Do we really embrace that truth? Do we, as Jesus said, do you perceive, do you see because a lot of times in life, we can hear things, but we may not actually see those things. Does that make sense? And so I think it's really important in our life, because even, I mean, come on, I, mean, I got this title, pastor, but I still sometimes struggle in my life. I'll be in a situation and go, okay, I got to remind myself that God's love never fails, that God's love is here. It's present with me despite my circumstances. And, you know, it's beautiful to be in a place where, I don't ever get mad at God because bad things happen because I know he's not the author of disaster. But in the midst of that, there's pain, there's turmoil, there can be anxiety, there can be worry and fear and fret. And I know that when I fall into that, it means I'm forgetting that love that's already there. I'm forgetting that peace that's already there. And so I want to talk about this today, but I want to start in Acts chapter 10. You can follow along on the screens. You can also follow along if you have a, a digital device with the Bible app, version. It's really simple. You can open that up. Uh, go to the More tab, 
and then look for events. If you hit events, you should see Faith City, Michigan campus. We put the notes right there. Uh, you can add your own notes, which is pretty cool, and then you can even save it for further reference if you want to study it out later. But Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 34, uh, this is one of the gospel messages in the book of Acts, and Peter is preaching here. Look what he says. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Now, stop there for a second. That very first sentence is interesting to me. How many know Peter was a Jew? How many know that the Jews, like many other cultures, thought that they were God's favorite? And so for him to make this statement is pretty powerful. Something's beginning to happen in his life. Now, do you remember at one point in his ministry when he kind of started going back and wanted to look good in front of, like, the people coming from Jerusalem? And, and, wanted, and so he kind of acted different towards Gentiles. I remember it said that Paul, like, stood up to him, got in his face about it. He's like, dude, this isn't right. So we see there's this growth here, which makes me feel good. Like, wow, so Peter didn't have it all together? I don't either. I guess that's okay. But look at this. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. He goes on to say, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all, how many? All who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Say, God was with him. This is cool. He says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to see. He's preaching the gospel. Look at this. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God has already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. You know what's interesting about this? I just, this just came to me. Um, at one point, Jesus was speaking, and he said that the Heavenly Father has given him the power to judge. And you know what the answer to that was? What did Jesus say? Anyone know? He said, I judge no one. I'm telling you, man, the gospel is so good. But look at this. It says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So I am forgiven. I'm telling you, when you can walk knowing that you're forgiven, it changes everything. You live from a different place. Amen? And as we look into the gospel story here, I just want us to kind of hear this message that Peter was preaching when we hear this gospel story, I believe that we come face to face with the reality that God loves us. I mean, for God so loved the world. It wasn't just specific people groups. For God so loved the world, people, creation, everything he made. He was in love. Sometimes it's hard to, I mean, because, you know, when you think about how amazing I mean, even when you go up north and, you know, you get away from the lights and you look up at the stars at night, it's like, wow. I mean, and to think that we were sitting around the campfire and just looking up and, you know, we talk about the same things. We still, like, get the wow factor. But to think that the star I'm seeing is I'm seeing something that happened way, way before I'm seeing it, right? 
I mean, yeah, light years. And so then we started doing calculations, and then I just went back to a s'more because it was too much for me. But the point is, God is magnificent and, and huge and big. But yet Jesus said that the kingdom's within us and that his spirit is within us. That's overwhelming to me. But what it does is it causes me to realize I am loved. Because I want you to know this. God doesn't live in dirty spaces and dirty places. So that should say something about you. But pastor, you don't know why I struggle. Yeah, welcome to the club. We all struggle. But you know why we struggle? We don't fully see who we are yet. You know, we, our actions and our words are an outflow of who we believe we truly are. But a lot of times who we think we are, which a lot of us are, I'm a sum total of my bad decisions and my bad actions. No, 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 no. Who we truly are is who God says we are. And God says that you are holy and acceptable and pleasing and forgiven and his child. And so I found in my own journey, the more that I see that, the more my actions change. Because, see, I try to put the cart before the horse in the past where I'm trying to change my actions by my own will. And I can do good for a little while, you know, just about as good as I do in January when I say, I'm going to change the diet and exercise. How many knows that? I mean, you might get two, three months, and you're amazing, but come on. And then we look at the people who look like they got it all together. It's like, how do they do that? Listen, willpower will only take you so far. But a changed heart, awakening to who you really are, that'll change forever. That'll change how you operate in life. But listen, we're on a journey. And so when we begin to see those things in our life, we have to remind ourselves, wait, wait, God loves me. God desires relationship with me with no strings attached. So this morning... I want to talk about this beautiful idea that God's love never fails. It's a love that, that you can never, say never, you can never be separated from. You know, a few years ago, Krista and I, uh, we, we went out to eat with our sister-in-law. She will come up sometimes from Florida and we'll hang out, kind of catch up, grab a bite to eat. And uh, some of you, I think I've told you the story. It was, it was funny to me. So we're, we're sitting in the restaurant, and I realized I didn't have my phone. And I, I, at that moment, I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to die because that's my life source. I'm just kidding. It, it, one thing I practice more often is just leaving the phone somewhere, you know, and then it's really weird how I still get through life. Remember back in the old days? Yeah. M- remember when, like, you had to wait till you got home to call someone? Or, or you know, before phones, there were pagers, like, oh, man, who's blowing up my pager, you know, because that looked cool and stuff. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to pull over with my calling card. And call from, yeah, it wasn't as cool. But anyway, I, I, I thought, okay, well, I need my phone. And so I, I went out to the parking lot, and I walked out to my car, and as I'm walking, you know, I'm excited to have some more conversation. I pulled out my keys, and I hit unlock, and I went to open the door, and it didn't open. I'm like, what? And so I hit it a couple more times, and I'm, it wouldn't open, and I'm like, what is going on? So, you know, I did that thing, you know how you kind of just hit, hit the thing? 
a few times. Isn't that crazy how batteries start to work sometimes when you hit it? But it's true, it does. That remote at home sometimes, you hit it a couple times, it's like, oh, it'll work a little bit longer. I don't know if the battery's like, all right, dude, I'll give you a little more juice. So I'm hitting the keys, I'm hitting it again. I'm like, I'm not hearing any clicking. And I bend down and I look inside and I'm like, oh, this isn't my car. In that moment, I mean, I thought I was, I mean, I would swear to you this was my car. It was the same make, the model, the color, but it actually was a couple spots over. But see, that happens in life a lot, doesn't it? We think that's Jesus right there. That's our Heavenly Father. This is who God is, but maybe we're not seeing things correctly. Maybe we've been given or taught or even somehow brought on this certain idea, created this idea of God that's incomplete. Maybe it's an inaccurate picture of who God really is. And so, you know, through the gospel, through hearing the voice of Holy Spirit, through study, we can start to go, okay, you know what? God's different than I thought he was. Come on, has anyone been on that journey? Has God become more beautiful Isn't it amazing when you come to this place where there's absolutely no fear? Now, I'm not talking about a reverence and awe. That's scriptural. I certainly, every time I'm I'm laying there in the zero-gravity chair looking at the skies, I'm in awe. I'm in wonder, okay? In those moments, that's that fear, if you really want to correctly translate that original language. But to be dreadfully afraid, it's, it's not scriptural. In fact, John tells us that where love is perfected or mature, there's no room for fear. So if we have fear of God, that means we don't fully understand his love for us. Does that make sense? No condemnation. I've been there. I served for a long time the God that I feared. I've told you stories. But how many know in a relationship, if you are deathly afraid of someone, you can't have intimacy and loving relationship. It's impossible. You have to fake it. And some people are stuck in relationships like that. I love you too, but they're afraid of that spouse, afraid of that significant other. Come on, it's getting real. And so sometimes maybe we just have the wrong picture. We're we're seeing this inaccurate picture of who God is. And in doing so, we make things that we do or things that we don't do reasons for why we think that we're separated from the love of God. The only thing that can separate you from the love of God is you thinking you're separated from the love of God. True love does not withhold love because you act a certain way or not. Can I get a witness? And God doesn't just love. God is Love. Now, I've had people, when I say, man, God is love, they're like, yeah, but he also is judgment. And he, no, 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 the Bible said God is love and light. Does he judge? Yeah, but guess what? It's through the filter of love and light. Does he correct? Oh, absolutely. But he isn't correction. God is love, and love corrects in a certain way that is loving. You learned something today. Isn't that beautiful? But look what the Apostle Paul says here in Romans. I love this, Romans chapter 8. You getting something out of this? Is this stirring you up a little bit? Look at this, Romans chapter 8, 38 and 39. He says this, I'm absolutely convinced. You see those first three words? 
I love this translation here in the message. Good job, Eugene Peterson. He says, I am absolutely convinced. Do you think he's wondering if this is true or not? No. I am absolutely convinced. Why, Paul, why? Because I was a murderer and a hater thinking I was doing the will of God. And guess what? Even through all that, God still loved me. He's absolutely convinced, what? That nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Now, I've told you this before that when we read scripture, we read a letter, you know, from one of the apostles or one of the writers of scripture, sometimes it's easy to kind of picture like someone in this like old, like you ever watch uh, The Chosen or some type of show and they and how they live. It's like what we see, the dirt streets. And so I picture Paul, for instance, writing this letter and he's kind of by candlelight in a corner and he's got a quill pen for some reason. Did they use quill pens like that? I don't even know. But, you know, he, and he's just writing along. We have these ideas of how it is and how they did write these letters. But as I got studying this, this one letter could have taken taken multiple months to write. Because, first of all, the cost of the parchment was very expensive. The cost of the ink was very expensive. They would hire scribes to actually write this out. This normally would not have been Paul's actual writing. It would be a scribe. They wanted to make sure it was legible. They wanted to make sure the grammar was correct. They wanted to make sure every, you know, T was crossed and I was dotted. And so they would take months, and they would usually, it wouldn't be just him by himself. It would be him and and some others discussing these things that they're learning about God. And then they had these certain tablets made out of wax that they would do like rough drafts on because they could write it out, and then they could heat it up to erase it. But it would be these ways to kind of get these rough drafts together so they could kind of put together. Remember when you're in school and you had to do that whole term paper thing? And it's like, yeah, I already forgot about that. I get it. But you had to do outlines, and you had to do paragraphs and all these things, this is how they compiled this. So that when this letter went out, it was with purpose. It was intentional. There was nothing that could be, you know, misinterpreted. It was on purpose. Does that make sense? So when I look at this and I think, okay, Paul, he could have just said, man, I am absolutely convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. He didn't stop there. He said nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high, low, thinkable. I mean, at some point when someone go, okay, we get it, Paul. Are you trying to make a point? Yes. I'm trying to say there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. So here's the question. How has Jesus embraced us? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now, when we're in church, we can read these things, and we can just kind of gloss over and go, yeah, it sounds scriptural, it sounds, sounds religious. Do you hear what's being said? Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him. Say, I'm one with God. I mean... If that doesn't still bring a little awe to us, I don't know what's going on. Pinch yourself. Make sure you're awake. But this word united, 
meaning join together, is the word kalao in the Greek, and it means to glue together, to cement. Remember how I said that they took a long time to make sure all the words were correct? Why would he use the word kalao? Because it, it signifies a cementing and gluing together. How many know that, like, of course people can go in and they can, they can tear up cement. How many know it's costly and it's a lot of work? But when you put a slab of cement down, it's not just going to blow away with the wind, right? It's, it's crazy. Have you ever walked by, like, wet cement when you were a kid? I mean, obviously it was an invitation, that glistening, to write your name in it and put an address or not an address, No, buddy, don't do that. Now you're going to get caught. But to put the date on it, you know, Andy was here. Anyway, full name, dummy. But but the thing about cement is it, it hardens. And when it hardens, you're not moving it. That's the union that we have with God. And so many times it's easy to think that, well, what I do or don't do can separate me. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never abandon you. That's something that we can trust. Now, here's the thing about it. When we feel, I like the word estranged better. Because estrangement doesn't mean that the the relationship doesn't exist. It means that you're away from the relationship. That's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden story, right? Um, And people can go, yep, God left them. No, from what I remember, he came down and found them. And then he even went out of the garden with them. Well, how do you know that? Because when Cain was uh, plotting some bad stuff, God was right there to say, Cain, sin's at the door, crouching at the door. Don't give in to this. Don't give in to your false self that wants to murder. Hmm. So I mean, God never went anywhere. But see, in their mind, they had to do something to be God-like. And we know Come on, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We know here in 2023, well, man, Adam and Eve, you should have said, what are you talking about? I'm already like God. Well, they didn't. And guess what? We're just the same at times. We look down on ourselves. We don't think we're in the image and likeness of God, but the truth is we are. And so when you have those moments where you're like, man, I just don't feel, that's okay. Those are good moments to go, hmm. What that means is I'm not walking out my true self. So these are good spots to go, okay, God's right here with me. My actions aren't lining up with who I, who I am or who I are or who I be. So what do I do? God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, help me to see who I truly am. And guess what? I still struggle with this. I still have days. The people closest to us, especially our spouses, man, they could tell you, you're not looking very godlike today. But you know what? We can have grace toward one another. We can have an understanding that we're on a journey and we're trying to, you know, discover more and more of who we are. And it's a journey and it takes time. Amen. So he says, whoever's united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. You're glued together. You're cemented. How does Jesus embrace us? Like glue and cement. I'm not going anywhere. I love Romans 8 here in the Mirror Bible. Listen to this. This is my conviction. No threat, whether it be in death or life, be it celestial messengers, demon powers, or political principalities, nothing known to us at this time or even in the unknown future. That's pretty cool. No dimension of any calculation in time or space, nor any device yet to be invented, 
has what it takes to separate us from the love of God unveiled and our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? The Apostle Paul also said in Romans, Romans 5, he says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Isn't that awesome? So think about this. God made the first step by pouring out his love into and within our hearts. Why? Because God always initiates. We only need to respond. This is something I learned a long time ago when it changed everything. Because I found that even my prayers were prayers of trying to get God to do stuff. God, will you just? Will you just? And then I, then I came into this new reality that, wait a minute. All things for life and godliness have already been given to me in Christ Jesus. So if they're already there, why can't I see it? Why can't I see it? And so I realized, oh, okay, so there's work that I have to do to, con- to unveil, to see the truth, to perceive. Do you, does that make sense? So if God initiates, now we do, all we do is receive it. We acknowledge it. We embrace it, just like Jesus has already embraced us. We, I like to say we can just saturate in it. We can marinate in it. We can go, wow, this is the love that God has for me. Just completely trust fall into it. Because to truly know his love is to know that your heavenly father can be trusted. See, the more you know the love of the heavenly father, the more that you trust him. Uh, One translation of the same portion of Scripture here in Romans, it says this. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Paul really goes to lengths to get us to see how big this is. At one point he says, you know, he kind of gives us a challenge to, to measure the height, depth, the width, the breadth of the love of God. I don't think it's because he thought you could. I think he wanted you to get into a mindset that your whole life will continue to expand if you let it and see the love is bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Just when you think, oh, I see, oh, wait, there's more. Oh, I think, oh, there's even more. Isn't that beautiful? I don't think we can preach this too good. And I said it before, if, if I get to eternity, I mean, I guess God, I have to say, hey, I just want to let you know, I appreciate all the good things you said about me, but you preached me just a little too good. I'll be like, oops, I'm sorry. Am I okay? Yeah, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> He's promised to watch over us. He's promised to never leave us, never forsake us, to take care of us. So I would say this, expect good things from God. Because God's love is our hope. God's love is the fuel for our lives. Even in situations we go through, like what we go through, all I had to do is say, thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you. That, I mean, for me, I believe that, that God was there, the Holy Spirit was there. I've told, I've told so many stories about moments where I should have died, but I heard a small voice say, stop, don't. And I didn't know until after it happened, went, oh, my gosh, if I would have, I may not be here right now. Now, that's not trying to cut. It's just the truth. That's what's happened in my life. That happened in my son's life. And it's beautiful that that split-second reaction, he's here with me today. Hallelujah. The bottom line, God's love never fails. People may fail us. 
Jobs may fail us. Security may fail you. But God's love will never fail you. So here's another question. Does God really love me unconditionally? Now, most of you, I mean, come on, you're like, of course he does. Because love with conditions is not love, right? If, if, we, if we dole out what we would consider love to someone because of what they do, sorry, it's not love. Love's unconditional. And that's a challenge too, isn't it? Because there's times where I catch myself giving me a little bit more, you know, of my goodness maybe to a kid because they're acting better or not. And that's where I have to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Love is, there's no conditions. So when you correct them, make sure there's love as the base for that. Does that make sense? Does God really love me unconditionally? I remember when I discovered this. You remember when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River? You know, John the Baptist was proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. He was saying that there would be one who would come and he would take, the, take away the sin of the world. And then one, Jesus, one day Jesus shows up on the shoreline there and John sees him. He's like, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away, doesn't just cover. So we've got to understand the terminology here because to a Jew, you know, the annual sacrifice would cover the sin, but he didn't say cover. He said, takes away the sin of the Jews. Come on, you got to catch me, Bruce. You got to catch me. No, no, the world. Come on, Heidi. Takes away. And so he shows up and he gets baptized, which there's a lot going along in that, which is really cool. We won't get into the depth of that and how it was done. But Jesus is baptized by John. And when Jesus comes up out of the water, I had read this so many times. I've heard this as a child. But one day when it really came to me, there was a voice from heaven when he came out of the water, a confirmation that said, this is my son whom I love. I'm thinking to myself, that's pretty powerful. I mean, God didn't have to show up and do that. But he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to this. With him I am well pleased. I think direct translation would be, in him, I am well pleased. And I thought about them like, well, yeah, of course, it's Jesus, man. I mean, that's your son, your one and only son. we we got to kind of put this into, I mean, Jesus was a human being, right? That's part of why I like the chosen. It's just so cool to see Jesus like in these real, real situations and working through things and people who are being nasty to him and still showing love. And you can see he's, he has to deal through this, but he knows who he is in himself, right? And so he, he handles it in a certain way. But think about this. Jesus is about 30 years old. He's pretty much been taken on the, the um, trade of his earthly father. And he knows now's the time, now's the time. But here he is, never done a miracle, hadn't trained disciples, hadn't healed a sick person. He's just baptized. And this voice says, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And I remember several years ago when I read this and it just, you know how it hits you in the heart. It's like you could read something a thousand times. And I went, well, I'm your son. And if Jesus didn't have to perform or do things to be loved or for you to be pleased, that applies to me. And it took the pressure off. 
It doesn't mean we don't do good things. We're told that God has already prepared beforehand these good things for us to walk out, these good works. So good works are wonderful. They're beautiful. Um, but they should come out of a sense of who you truly are, not something I need to, need to do in order for God to love you more and be pleased with me more. The only thing I see in Scripture that God's pleased with is faith in him. In other words, trust me. And what Jesus did that day was he trusted the Heavenly Father when he stepped into that ministry. And God says, this pleases me, and I love you. You see, God's love for who we are is without regard to our resume. It's not based on a list of things we do. His love is not improved by the good things we do, nor is it diminished by the bad. See, I would think, okay, man, if I'm doing good, then, you know, God's good with me, but, man, if I'm doing bad, and I'm sorry, God, I know you probably can barely hear this prayer right now. What do you mean? I'm just glad that you're here, son. I'm glad that you came to your senses and realized that you were operating out of false identity. You, you were operating out of someone you really aren't. This is beautiful. Let's do this together. Perhaps you've heard that sinning will cause God to stop loving you. It can't happen. God's already embraced you. Say, God, you've already embraced me. I'm already cemented in. We're already glued together. We're in perfect union. Man, that's so beautiful. I like what one pastor said. He said, your sin has more chance of extinguishing the sun than dimming your father's love for you. That's beautiful. In the gospel of John, Jesus, or in the gospels, Jesus says, as the father loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. So here's the question. The question we must ask is not, will God stop loving me? But here's the question, will I abide in his love? See, the word abide is beautiful. It means to rest. It means to just be, be in his love. And this is a hard thing sometimes because even in my own life, I can feel like, man, I don't deserve this. It's not about deserving. And the quicker we understand that and we live out of that, you're going to see your thoughts change and your actions change and, and your words change. This is how it works. It's remembering that the Father loves Jesus unconditionally and that Jesus loves us the same way. It's living from the peace that nothing we do can make God love us any more or any less. Nothing at all. 1 Corinthians 13, we refer to it as a love chapter. It says, love never gives up. And verse 8 says, love never dies. And I'll wrap up with this in Jeremiah. I love this. The prophets had some cool stuff. Look what he says. In a far off land, the Lord will manifest himself to them. Now stop for a second and think about this. Have you ever been in a far off land? I don't mean traveling. But maybe in your relationship with God, you've kind of been absent. You've been kind of far away. I used to think that when I'm far away, my job is to get back. But look what the prophet says. In a far off land, the Lord will manifest himself to you. He will say to them, this is the words of God. This is powerful. I have loved you with an everlasting love. That is why I have continued to be faithful to you. Did you catch that? God's faithfulness to you 
It's only based on one thing, his everlasting love for you. Isn't that good? Paul told Timothy that even when we're faithless, he is faithful. Come on, somebody. I know that's scary for some people. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't preach it that good because people, they might go off. And, no, 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 no. When you re- Listen, when somebody is that good to you, the first thought isn't, ooh, I'm going to take advantage of that. No. It's like, God, you are so good. You are so loving. You are so faithful. Even in my worst state, that causes my love for him to be reciprocated. Plain and simple. That's something to be excited about, amen? Will you stand with me? Say this with me. Heavenly Father, you love me. Your love will never change. I allow your love to change me. Help me, Holy Spirit, to see the truth of who I am my true self, who you've made me to be. Help me to awaken to the goodness that you've already put within me. I embrace it and I receive it. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here this morning because we're here. We're so thankful that there's nothing we can do to scare you away, to cause you to turn your back on us. And even in moments where we awaken and we we finally see, wow, this isn't who I am. These actions aren't who I am. The, the way I'm thinking, this isn't right. This doesn't line up with the truth of who I am, the truth of the kingdom. You're still there in those moments. That's how we can see. Because Jesus, you're the truth. So I pray in those moments that we would just ask for help. Say, help me to change this attitude. Help me with this addiction in my life. Help me to see others different so it isn't us and them, where I see the God in others. I desire that. And Jesus, we know that you're the great physician, that you are the only one who can heal those hurts. I pray as well that, Holy Spirit, you're already putting people on our path who are gifted, who can help us to work through some of the trauma and the pain and the things that we've gone through and and the false ideas that we believe. People who have our best interest in mind, just like you. People who, who have a heart of love and empathy so that we can heal in those areas. But even as we heal, we then can carry that same healing virtue with us and help others who have gone through a lot of the same things we have. We thank you so much for your love. We don't take it for granted. We're your children, and we're greatly loved. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Did you receive that this morning? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.